0: The views in this podcast are the participants' own and are not the views of their respective companies. Welcome to Aerox The Legacy Life, the podcast asking, what does a career in runoff insurance or reinsurance actually look like? I'm your host, Katie Reynolds, and today we're joined by Bill Bouvier, Vice President and Director of Assumed Reinsurance at Riverstone. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bill. I'm just going to jump right in and ask, what exactly is a Director of Assumed Reinsurance?
1: Uh, Basically, we've got a group of claims that are assumed claims, mostly in the runoff space. And we've got a group of handlers probably somewhere around... I think it's 18, maybe now 20, both here and in the UK. And my role really is to work on training the team, providing opportunities to learn more about reinsurance, to learn reinsurance, handle the claims that come in on a daily basis, to provide them with correct systems and support in their day-to-day work and help make decisions on some of the larger, maybe more complicated claims, and also to help leverage my experience or network when we're dealing with other seating companies.
0: And how long have you been in reinsurance?
1: So I've been in reinsurance since if 19- I can ask that
0: question.
1: <laughs> 1991, sadly. Been a long time. That's 30 years now. Kind of fell into it. I started my career, like a lot of people, right out of college and went to work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And uh, while I was doing that and dealing with a customer who happened to be insur- in insurance, he offered me a job in the life insurance area. I did that for a while. It wasn't for me. I moved on to a property and casualty carrier, mostly doing personal lines. Liked it a lot. And then I went into another carrier local that was a startup, and they offered me a position doing workers' comp subrogation, third party collections, and also seated reinsurance, which at the time I knew nothing about. They handed me the green book, which uh, at the time was green for Strain, which a lot of people younger in the market may not know. Strain was considered an expert in the field and would put on seminars every year and would pass out a book that was kind of like the Bible for reinsurance. So I read that, I read the reinsurance contracts we had, and I started working directly with our uh, reinsurer who just happened to be a 100% cover. So we only had one and I kind of learned it from the ground up working with them. So I quickly learned on the go as I got into it. Then the crazy, I think at one point you had a question about one of the craziest things that's happened. So we, <laughs> yes. were, uh, we were a um, reciprocal. So we were owned by the policyholders Somehow the policyholders got affiliated with a different management company. We were in a hostile takeover. I was about 27 years old. Trucks pulled up outside the door. They handed us all checks and we rented a bank to try and cash them. Um, So uh, that was uh, pretty crazy. We were all in one car, all of us in the same boat, got our checks cashed. And then I quickly, luckily found a job over at, what at the time was Cigna, and I started again doing seeded claims for all the long term exposure stuff. Moved from there up to the assumed reinsurance group and started to handle assumed claims. Got noticed on an audit out at Wausau, thought it would be great to try something new in a different state. Moved out to Wausau, did it there for a while. Once we had kids, wanted to move back home. You know, one thing you learn about in this industry is uh, you make a ton of connections. Connections are hugely important for not only your day-to-day work, but also future employment. Uh, so you kind of never want to burn any bridges. Somebody I knew called me, said there were jobs at the Hartford. I went, started handling direct asbestos claims. Then out of the blue, they said, we need someone to go on an audit in London. And no one could go. I volunteered. It happened to be with Bill Teich, who's now the president of Rock. Went and did an audit for a week in the UK. So right away, they moved me over to assume claims at the Hartford. I became a director at the Hartree. When they went into runoff, again, another connection moved to Philly to handle the R&Q runoff. I got called to go there. And then out of nowhere, someone called me and said, you want to move to New Hampshire and work for Riverstone. And I ended up here. So probably for the last 20 years, I've been in some kind of management director role handling some of the larger claims and testifying, but also managing and helping to train people in reinsurance and in runoff.
0: We've talked before about all of the connections and how important it is to make connections in this industry. And I know you and I have talked about your career in the past, and it seems like you kind of came up with this group of people who are all the vice presidents and, and whatnot now. You all know each other. How do we get younger people who are newer to the industry to have those same connections? I feel like it's much harder now than it might've been when when you were starting out. How How do we create those connections, do you think?
1: Well, a lot of my connections were in the day-to-day world. When I handled direct claims for the Hartford, I would talk to other people at other at other carriers, and I would get into cost share meetings. And then same with handling some of the assumed reinsurance claims. Say I was testifying when I was a handler. I met the attorneys. I met the arbitrators. So I I made a lot of connections that way. There also were a lot more, I think, than there are now, a lot more opportunities to travel and go on audits and also go to seminars like AROC and Arius and uh, IACP, things like that. At and meet people. And I would take advantage of anything I could go to, to to get there and then network with people and meet them. And that's how I did it. Now, I think that the way we need to do it is people like myself, which, you know, as you know, I try to do, need to bring the younger people to those meetings and seminars and hearings and introduce them to everybody that they know in the industry. And also to empower them to be the lead and be the face of a claim as opposed to taking it up the chain because it's complicated sometimes. And I think that's the way you get more time with people in the industry.
0: So we also have kind of a um, an issue just getting younger people or just newer people into the industry any ideas as to how to bring people in i mean the, one of the problems i think with runoff is you hear about it and you think oh it's supposed to end why would i want to get involved in that or quite often there's such a skill gap why would a company want to invest in a, a in a younger person who who might not have you know the the skills what what do you think we need to do
1: well as i as we started talking about i've been doing it for 30 years and 28 of them have been in runoff with no end in sight. And <laughs> you know, these claims will be here long after I'm gone and probably long after you're gone. And if you look at the things that we've done, you know, with Air with the deal forums and things like that, and you just look in the press with all the deals that are out there, and people want to get rid of their legacy business and they want someone to take it on. They want to not have the asbestos liabilities or the pollution liabilities dragging down their balance sheets. So there's plenty of work out there, and plenty of claims, and with all the emerging risk we're looking at now, like the talc and the the abuse claims and things like that, asbestos isn't going anywhere soon. I, you know, I don't think, and all those other claims added to it, we're going to see things just continue to grow in the runoff market. I think it is a great place for young people to go because right now there is a huge gap between, say, people my age and the younger people, and it's a it's a staffing issue you know, that you hear about in the industry all the time. You got a lot of 40, 50, 60-year-olds with the, the 60s retiring, and then who takes their place? Because there's not a lot in the 30s and lower 40s and early 20s, because people don't think it seems exciting. But when you get to go to a hearing or you get to go to a conference and make a deal with somebody, it's a great feeling to accomplish something and and really learn to become technical and enhance your communication skills and networking skills. So I think it can be very exciting. I mean, there's there's still going to be the grind work every day. But then when you get to go to a big settlement conference or you get to go testify in a hearing, it's, it's just as exciting, I think, as, as any other career out there. And I think it's probably more stable than most. You're always going to need insurance. It's in every state. It's in every country and not going anywhere anytime soon.
0: Can we go back for a minute? Because I did not realize that your first insurance job was basically handed to you at an enterprise rental company. Can we go back to that? Sure. How did that happen?
1: So it actually, it happened quite a bit when I first first started working at enterprise. It wasn't, you didn't see the commercials on TV or anything. It was late 80s. It was a much different world back then, and you were in the car constantly with people. So you drove somewhere, picked somebody up, drove them back to the shop, or you had two people in the car in two different cars, and we go somewhere and we drop one car off, and I'd pick the other person up. Met all kinds of people from all walks of life, and it was not uncommon to meet a business person who, if you struck up a conversation, you could form a relationship with, and. Just so happened, the guy I met was a couple years older than me, just got promoted to a manager, wanted someone to take over his book of business. So you know, I tried it. I went, I took my life insurance exams and my P&C exams and uh, passed everything, got handed a book of business and started selling life insurance for about eight months. But it was a very, what I thought to be a very cutthroat business. And uh, it was not for me in terms of the way things were done at the time. And what I also found funny was that when I sold life insurance, no one wanted to talk to me about insurance. The minute I stopped selling it, everybody would ask me insurance questions. To this day, people ask me what they should get for their auto, what they should get for their life, or can I read this policy for them? And I'm always like, well, where were you when I was selling it when I was 24 years old and needed money? <laughs>
0: uh, that's So, okay, so speaking of um you know, when you were selling insurance and it being kind of cutthroat, can you can you speak to uh, more of what what the reinsurance or especially the legacy space is like in terms of just uh, general relationships that people have?
1: I would say generally speaking, almost all of the relationships between the main companies that everybody deals with in in the larger runoff area are very good because we can go to not to sound. Like a commercial, but you can go to an Air Rock, and you can have a beer, or you can sit at the you know at the table during the October event or one of the one of the quarterly events, and nobody takes it personally, and you can work out a deal, and I think that is a is a great thing. When you're in direct side regular claims, sometimes you're dealing with a, with a hostile claimant who wants their money, it's their workers comp check, it's it's a, a lot more personal. When you're dealing in reinsurance, you're dealing with another insurance company. So you both are on the same level in terms of technical knowledge and doing your job, being professional. And so I think that, you know, from that standpoint, generally everybody wants to be able to do a deal, get together, work it out, not spend a lot of money on it because you know you're going to be dealing with everybody again on the next claim that comes in. And you know, a lot of companies have reciprocal relationships. So while we might be getting a claim in from a company. If you're on the assume side, you could be seeding out the same claim or or one from your direct side to that company as a reinsurer. So it really does nobody any good to be to be nasty about these things. And I think that more and more I'm seeing it being a less hostile market in terms of runoff because I think everybody knows we're going to be dealing with it for a long time. As you said, we all have relationships. We know each other. And so we can, we can move past the personal stuff, get the claim settled and move on to the next one. That being said, there are certain things where we're just not going to agree. And we're going to have to go forward to trial or to arbitration because of the bigger picture, because we might be getting another claim in on the same issue that could be worth a lot more money. Or it's just so much money or, or in principle, we can't, we don't think that that's the right thing to do. I think we, everybody fights what they need to fight. And then for the most part, they work out deals on the other things to keep the relationships moving forward.
0: So still generally very collegial, business to business. I
1: really think it is. Uh, and again, the more, the more you can see people in person, the greater chance of that happening and continue to happen, you're going to have.
0: Bill, do you, do you have any advice for young professionals out there who are thinking about legacy or thinking about reinsurance as a possible career?
1: I, I would say a couple things. I think it's very important to get with a, a company or a person or someone who can help train you and give you advice on these things because a lot of what we deal with Again, I've been doing it for 30 years, so I've seen a lot of different things where someone new handling a claim may not have seen it yet. And if you just talk to people about it and ask questions, you'll find that, oh, yep, I had a claim just like that. Uh, The more you talk to people in the industry or people in your department, get out of the silos and you get to learn these things and then then you know about it. And so I think ask the questions. And the biggest thing I've learned in all of this is knowledge is key when you're negotiating or handling a claim. So the more you know, the better. So do the CPCUs and the AREs and the AICs and then read through the files. And even if it's not specific to the claim you're handling, learn as much as you can. Get well-rounded and do direct, do reinsurance and and just listen to everything you can and soak it in and then give it back as well. Because if you have a question, somebody else has a question and you can always say, I just had to claim, this is what happened. And somebody else say, Oh my gosh, I got one just like it. So I, I think it's just soak up as much as you can and take advantage of anything you can in terms of seminars and travel. I told you my job when I was working at the Hartford, people couldn't go on a trip to London because of, different things and I'm like, I'll go. And that was a big push in my career, I think. Just willing to go experience it and and learn from it.
0: Thank you so much for dropping by today, Bill. It was great talking to you and getting your insights. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you're listening to us on a podcast app such as Apple Podcast or Stitcher, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review to help other people interested in insurance or reinsurance careers find our podcast. And with that, I think it's time to cue the music and close this thing out. The Next Gen Task Force is part of AROC, the only U.S.-based nonprofit association focusing on the legacy or runoff sector of the insurance and reinsurance industries. AROC serves the industry by providing education, networking, information, and data. Learn more about what we do at www.aroc.org or contact AROC's Executive Director, Carolyn Fahey, at carolyn at AROC.org. That's A-I-R-R-O-C dot org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.